Hello, beautiful. And I wanted to tell you that instead of just celebrating Veterans Day, we're going to celebrate Veterans Week. In fact, we celebrate veterans every single week here on the Female Veterans Podcast. So this week, I want to do something a little bit different. Since I honor my veteran sisters always, this week, I'm going to interview some of the guys. And my first is Seth Breeze of the American Heritage Podcast. And I am so excited for you to hear this conversation. Hello, beautiful. And what I want to know is, what is really good in your life today? I'm Kia, and this is the Female Veterans Podcast. Today, I have an incredible person with me, and I'm so excited because this is the first guy I've ever interviewed for this podcast. So it's a little bit different, but as you all know, I do like to highlight very special people and very special organizations, and you'll soon see why he's one of them. So this is Seth Breeze. He was in the Air Force, and he is the host of the American Heritage Podcast. Welcome, Seth. Hey, Kia. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. So my first question for you is, what made you join the military? So I knew that joining the military was something I was going to do since I was like four or five years old. I was always playing army guy. Uh, I loved airplanes and I had books about military aviation and I was watching documentaries all the time and I was a total nerd about it. And there was no way that that was not going to happen for me. I just, I knew it in my soul from a very early age. (laughs) That's so special. You know, I had no idea I was going into the military until I said to my mom, hey, um, it's time to start applying for colleges. And she was like, "Um, you're going to the military. And I knew that it was always her dream. So as the very good people-pleasing child that I was, I was like, off I go. But I'm picking and I choose the Navy. (laughs) Yeah, good choice. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. So, okay, my next question for you is what was boot camp like for you? Boot camp was interesting. I had never ridden on an airplane before. And so the trip from my hometown to Lackland Air Force Base was my first airplane ride, which I was, uh, <laughs> you know, it was kind of funny, but I was like, you know, I'm going to boot camp anyway. So I might as well just get this out of the way while I'm at it. And, uh, yeah, boot camp was, it was hard, obviously, you know, yeah. I didn't think I was out of shape necessarily until I got there. And then I realized that I, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but within six weeks, you know, I I lost like 25 pounds. So yeah, it it was strange how quickly I'm able to lose weight. Um, when I really buckle (laughs) down to do it, but yeah, uh, I remember cause I was walking around with my ID card and it has a picture of you when you first get there, when you get the Uh. ID card. And then I was like, dude, that's not you. I'm like, (laughs) I looked at it in the mirror. I'm like, holy crap. You know, that, that that's me, but it doesn't look anything like me. So yeah, it was, uh, it was hard and got through it. I have the ability to kind of just go zombie mode and not really mm-hmm. think about things too much sometimes. So yeah. that was kind of my saving grace. Yeah, I could, I feel that. I call it autopilot. Yeah. I just go 
and I just do it. And that is exactly how I got through boot camp. by the way. Did you um, make any solid connections there or people you kept in touch with? No, not in boot camp, not at all. There was very briefly after, um, I talked to a couple people, but nobody since then. I, uh, I had a little boot camp girlfriend at the time. And <laughs> I didn't have that. <laughs> really? Yeah, you're missing out. Uh, I guess so. You know, as, as much as you can have, you know, a boot camp girlfriend without actually really like spending any one-on-one time with each other, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, uh, the occasional note here and there, uh, you know, and a couple phone calls afterwards, but then we realize, you know, okay, this is pretty silly. Uh, <laughs> right on. Not I hope you got through, get through it. Yeah. But yeah, that was, uh, that was fun. It was, uh, something to take your mind off things a little bit. Right on. So what was your active military experience? Like once you became staff? Well, it was, it was interesting. It was nothing like I thought it was going to be. So like I said, I grew up watching movies and documentaries about the military and Mm -hmm. what appealed to me about that was camaraderie. And that was something that full disclosure as a young person, I didn't have a whole lot of, um, so the military was my outlet for that. And when I got there, I was really disappointed, to be honest, in a lot of ways. I liked the military. It was fun. But I did not find the camaraderie I was looking for. Um, no. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It wasn't until like the year I got out that I kind of started to find that. But uh, the first basically 11 years, um, wasn't really like that. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple reasons for that in the air force. It's just different because the air force is very individualistic. And when we're rated on our reviews, it's how, it's always, how do you look in comparison to your peers? So it's a kind of a constant competition in some regards. Mm-hmm. Also in the air force, when we deploy, we typically do it as individuals so we'll go and uh, augment an existing unit somewhere, overseas, different base, whatever. So we don't really have the same opportunities that you might in the Army um, and the Marine Corps when you deploy as divisions and brigades or in the Navy when you mm-hmm. go out on a ship with right. 5,000 other people. Yeah. Um, it's an individual effort. And when you come back... You know, it's it's weird because you're coming back to your workplace and you've just been through, you know, a deployment overseas or what have you, and uh, nobody shared that experience with you that you work with usually. Oh my! So, so I totally get it. Yeah, it's kind of hard to have that understanding. Like maybe they have been deployed, but they didn't deploy with you, so their experience was totally different than yours because you weren't there together. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just different. It doesn't, in my opinion foster the camaraderie that's kind of built into the system that other um, branches maybe have a little bit more of. Um, And I think that's part of the reason why the Air Force is leading the suicide rate right now is Mm -hmm. just in part, that's not the total reason, obviously, but that's, that's one component. And I think that kind of explains why it is Um, combine that with maybe cell phones. I think cell phones are terrible for young people in the military because of social isolation um, compounded with the other things. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually just thinking about that because I um, didn't have a cell phone when I was serving at a pager. (laughs) Nice. 
<laughs> but uh, honestly, I, like towards the end of it, I think cell phones were just coming out. So my experience with that is different. And I was actually just thinking about it because I was talking to a female veteran who has just got out last month. And I was thinking, and she was in the Navy also, and her experience was like somewhat different. And I'm like, oh, they had cell phones. <laughs> yeah. It's very different. So yeah, I can see how that could play a huge factor. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. And I just, I did a kind of a podcast about this recently. I call it more of a rant really, because, uh, that's exactly what it is. But, you know, in my opinion of it is, you know, it used to be in generations past, you know, you work together and then maybe you'd go hang out after work or go to the e-club on base. But Mm -hmm. nowadays I feel like, a big problem we have in the military is um, when you're not physically doing your job, like the cell phone comes out, right? Or when you're off work, you go to your room and maybe you play an Xbox or surf an Instagram in your room. And the military isn't doing a very good job about fostering community within its ranks right now. And I think it needs to look to look backwards essentially rather than forwards on how to fix that. I I hope that, you know, we can make those, some of those kind of changes, but right now it's kind of a, it's kind of alarming to me. Yeah, I can, I can, I can feel that, you know, I mean, definitely when I think back, like we were always together, (laughs) we were not on our phones. We would, we'd go to the mail barracks and hang out a whole bunch of us. I had a a lot of guy friends. I was that girl with all the guy friends, you know, Mm. and and just a handful of girlfriends. And, um, and that's what we were doing. We were out, we were going to do things. We weren't on our phones. We weren't individualized in that way. We were, we were like, a group. And like I always say, I'm still friends with a lot of those people today, you know, so it it does seem like it could be alarming. Yeah, um, definitely. But, you know, I mean, things change and I think maybe we'll adapt to it at the same time. And hopefully that's the case. Yeah, I agree with that. So um, what were some of the obstacles other than, you know, feeling isolated that you faced? There was a lot of uh, shenanigans going on (laughs) in my unit. So when I first got there, I was underneath the mentorship of a couple of older guys who'd been there for a while. And in my unit, some of these guys were, they were not good people, I'll say. And they liked to steal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they liked to steal. And there were several OSI investigations that took place because of a theft. Uh, One guy may or may not, and this was never proven, have stolen all of the spare tires off the vehicle fleet uh, that I worked in. (laughs) Why? Just If you steal enough of them, you can put them all on your car, you know, and you have four brand new wheels and tires. Right. And, uh, or you can sell, you know, and make a lot of money. I mean, you can sell that for, you know, $1,500 on Craigslist or whatever. That is shenanigans if I ever heard. Yeah. And you know, and I just have countless things like that. So for me, it was like, okay, one, I'm not going to get wrapped up in that. You know, that's just, it's not going to happen for me Two. You know, I'm definitely going to try to hold my head up high uh, when I'm surrounded by that 24-7. But it was uh, for a while there and for a good probably four or five years, it was a competition to see who like who could steal the most and get away with the most stuff. Uh, Yeah. And it it was allowed because we had a very bad leader at the time. Mm -hmm. And once he was gone, then things started changing. But it, it takes a while sometimes to get those changes made. (laughs) 
Yeah, I definitely understand that. There were shenanigans on the base when I was there. I will tell you, um, as a young 19-year-old girl, I was stunned to my very core in the age of the zero-tolerance policy that there was a huge cocaine ring on our base. And it it got busted. It was like all the way up to officers all the way down. Like it was insane. And we had never gotten drug tested I think for the first year, year and a half that I was stationed there. And then suddenly there were like drug tests, like crazy, like all the time. So, I mean, it was a huge, huge thing. And I was, as a young girl, I was like super shocked. It it took some of like the innocence off of what I expected <laughs> the military to be like, you know, yeah, absolutely. It actually really changed me. I got to say. Yeah. No, for the better too. I mean, I was exposed to a lot of things that I would not have otherwise been exposed to, and it was a growing experience for me. And I came away from my military service a lot stronger than I think than I would have been, Mm -hmm. which has served me so well. I can agree with that. I mean, definitely there were a lot of things, especially because I didn't deploy and I don't, I can't speak to the kind of shenanigans that happen on ships or on overseas bases, but on our base in North Chicago, there were lots of things. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to go into it, but I definitely got into some things. We'll just leave it at that. But but I, I had some really interesting experiences that shaped who I am and my understanding of how government works and how the military works in and of itself. And so, but I'm stronger for it and I'm better for it as, as a woman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Take what you can and and use it to your benefit, right? Absolutely. So I guess you are a relatively new veteran. What has your transition been like coming out of the military? It was pretty rough. I got to be honest, you know, when uh, I was in the military, I heard a lot of things about, oh, if you get a degree, you know, they want to hire veterans and everything's going to be great. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be awesome. And that wasn't totally untrue. You know, I I did get a job successfully quickly, you know, Mm -hmm. right before I got out, I got this job and it was seamless. I started right away. But what I didn't know is that, you know, this job was totally wrong for me. You know, you and I had kind of spoke earlier about how you took a job in corporate America and it wasn't your thing. And I had the same exact experience. And for a year and a half, I worked in a cubicle and I always tell people it looked like the movie Office Space, if you remember that movie. (laughs) Seriously, like it was decorated the same way. There there were TPS reports and then like one guy would come by my office and bug me about something and somebody else would come by and bug me about the same exact thing five minutes later. And, you know, I just want to kick down the cubicle walls and and run away. But (laughs) bust out of there. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, that that's real. And I didn't think it would be real, but that's, that was based off true events. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I hated corporate. I mean, corporate now is so nice. I talked to my friend. She's like, yeah, I take a yoga class on Thursdays and I work from home on Wednesdays and there's nap cubicles. And I'm like, where are you? Like, what yeah. is happening in the world? That is not what my experience was. Like maybe I would have loved corporate then. But um, I, I found that a lot of times through talking to veterans, they don't um, work for people well. They're naturally trained leaders. So a lot of us end up working for ourselves because it's just better that way. No, absolutely. You know, and I I feel that, and that's something that uh, I'm trying to cultivate in myself a little more entrepreneurial spirit than what I have in the past, because I I think it's going to do me well. And I think you nailed it. And I always tell people that, you know, in years past, 
when you served in the military, like in the Revolutionary War and the Civil War, and you know they would give you land, right? Because mm-hmm. that was what you did. And there's not really land anymore. I mean, it's all right. owned. So we need a next thing, a next mm-hmm. adventure. And if it's not settling the frontier, well, for us, it's entrepreneurship. That's that's the next thing. That's the next big adventure. And as veterans, I think we overwhelmingly feel that calling because we've experienced so much within the military that sitting in a nine to five cubicle isn't going to get it done for us. It's just not, you will not be happy. Most likely I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I think generally speaking, that's the case. So you got to find something you're passionate about and you got to pursue it relentlessly. If you don't, I think you're going to be miserable. (laughs) Oh my God. That's so true. I always say that as well. If you don't find fulfillment in what you're doing, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, then you're stagnating, then you are going to be miserable sooner or later and wondering what you're doing with your life. If you don't adapt a mindset of growth and change and push yourself out of it. And a lot of times it's fear that keep fear of the unknown that keeps people boxed into these, the stagnant way of life. But if you can push past it, it's just resistance. And you push past that resistance and step out into the world of doing something that you love and that you're passionate about, and you're willing to fail forward, you will find that happiness and that success in your life that you're looking for. You absolutely nailed it. You know, when you asked me about my, about my transition, you just summed it up perfectly because I was trying to fit myself into this little box that I was, Mm -hmm. that box was not made for me. Um, society had kind of put that expectation on me and I was too scared to do anything about it, you know, honestly. And I took a leap of faith one day and I changed it and my world has gotten so much better because of that. But I had to get over that fear initially, of just taking that first step. And, you know, I'm so glad I did, but it was entirely frightening at the time. So, um, I coach students and what I tell them, just take baby steps, you know, (laughs) like just little teeny steps towards your goal that you can manage for right now. And don't, you know, try to be perfect because being perfect is just a form of procrastination. So just take action towards what your vision is. Even a little tiny step will make all the difference because they'll add up. No, absolutely. That's great advice. Since speaking of advice, as someone who has now come through the transition and you're working your way through it, I always like to say that um, you never know who's coming behind you. Like perhaps your story might be their survival guide. So what advice would you have for veterans, men and women alike, coming out of the military and transitioning into civilian life? So two things. Find something you want to do, you're passionate about, and do it. And just do it. You know, if you have to do it part-time, cool. You know, if you have to do it on the side because you have to make money, that's okay too. But you can't just do the nine-to-five thing just to pay the bills. You, You will kill your soul if you do that. And that's just not good. Find something you love to do and do it. And if it's just a hobby, well, that's okay. Um, if you want to turn that into a business someday, okay, well now you have the foundations with which to pursue that. And the second thing is, is get a mentor, right? And if you can have more than one, even better. So find somebody who's at least one step ahead of you where you are in your journey. So if you've just been out for a month, find a guy who's been out for a year 
and then find a guy who's been out for 10 years, you know, and talk to those guys, reach out. I have yet to find anybody who won't talk to me. If I just go up and I'm genuine and I just ask, there's not been a single veteran I've ever approached who has just turned their nose up at me and won't talk to me. I I don't think it exists because the more I talk to people, especially in my podcast, you know, I mean, these guys, they've been through this and they've experienced the same things that we've all experienced. Uh, MST, PTSD, suicide, depression, transition, entrepreneurship, woodworking, homelessness. Like I talk to people who are in all those categories and they want to share their story, but they're not just going to advertise it. They want somebody to ask it and they're not going to tell it just to anybody. But if, if a young veteran comes up to an older veteran, and I use that term relative, you know, they're more than happy to help you. You just have to ask. And it took me a long time to kind of realize that because I, I thought I got this, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't need any help. I'm, I'm awesome. You know, I'm, I'm an E6. I got a degree. I'll waltz yeah. right into corporate America and kick the door. No, it doesn't work like that. Right. You got to have people in your corner. Absolutely. That is brilliant advice. I love that advice. And I love that you said you ask because my mentor told me that if you don't ask, you don't get. So that is like some serious advice right there. You just talk to people. And like you said, I have not met a veteran who has not been kind to me. The minute that they know that I'm also a veteran, male or female, I have had the most tremendous experiences with veterans even veterans that I come across like on Facebook and I see like a post and they're in need and I just like reach out to them. They're warm. They're, they're welcoming of my advice and my compassion and my concern for them. Um, And I, and I'm able to help people that way. And people have helped me that way as well. So definitely just talking, especially to other veterans has been, and it's even, it's even kind of healing in a way if you've experienced a trauma like my guests that come on the show and they share their story, they are healing a person who's listening, who may not be ready to speak up, but they're also healing themselves by just speaking their truth, um, good or bad. Every story is important. And um, so that's really incredible advice. And I want to thank you so much for sharing it. Yeah, no problem. You know, I mean, anything I can do to to help other veterans and kind of spread the word, you know, I, I kind of pride myself on being a focal point of wisdom. And I think veterans have it in spades. Yeah. So that's why I love, you know, having the podcast and doing the stuff I do with nonprofits is just just connecting dots in the puzzle pieces. You know, there may be a veteran who is interested in something or needs something and like, okay, boom, here's a resource for you, you know, take it and run with it. Big time. And so speaking of your podcast and your not-for-profit work, let's talk about it. Tell me everything. I want to know all about it. Yeah. So thanks for asking. It's something that I've started within, it's not even a year old yet. It'll be a year old in January. And it's a project I did because I felt within me the need to connect with other veterans. Um, I felt myself being kind of socially isolated and I know that's not good. So I started volunteering and I volunteered with a local organization that kind of does outreach for older veterans. Mm-hmm. I was having a lot of really awesome conversations with some of these older people. I talked to one lady, she was a, an air force officer, a nurse in Vietnam. And before that she was a Catholic nun. So wow. 
<laughs> yeah, she was a really cool lady. You know, I uh, I talked to one guy who I interviewed him inside the VA no hospital and had a great time talking to him. So I was like, okay, if I'm already having these conversations, I might as well just try to spread that wealth. So overwhelmingly, these guys were open to it. So I just talked to them. I put it on recording and I put it out on the internet and other people love listening to it because, you know, who doesn't like sitting next to like your grandma and hearing stories or like your grandpa <laughs> right, and hearing stories. Like, so it's fun. And on top of that, I, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs too. So I don't only focus on older veterans. I talk to a lot of people my age or even younger than me. Mm-hmm. And people who've started their own businesses or started nonprofits or taken over the world, you know, and that's awesome to me because, you know, the World War II guys get the credit of being the greatest generation, but <laughs> I think they better watch out because, you know, <laughs> our time's coming. Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot of fun, but I also get to do a lot of giving back too. And one of the ways I do that is I'm with a nonprofit. It's called Passageways LTD. Mm-hmm here in Wichita, Kansas, and it's a homeless veterans transition facility. So that was started by a woman named Susan when she was watching the news and she saw that a local veteran had died from cold exposure underneath a bridge. Oh my God. Yeah. And she was heartbroken. So she called around to kind of figure out, okay, what are we doing for homeless veterans in in this area? And the answer was nothing. So she's like, okay, well, I know what I'm doing. So her and her daughter started this organization all by themselves and they bought a house and they just started taking in homeless veterans, but it's not just the homeless shelter. It's a, it's rehabilitation, right? So it's not just the place to live. It's a, it's a new shot at life. And that's why I love it because they put them in the house, they give them clothing and food and they hook them up with the VA. Like they have the director's number at the VA. So if they're getting their runaround from the VA, well, guess what? Their director's getting a call. Everybody knows these ladies, like they're badass. You don't mess with them. If they need something from you <laughs> at the VA, just give it to them because you're going to hear about it and you don't want that. So yeah. Uh, so they get their benefits rolling. They get them hooked up with free healthcare. They have uh, Wichita State University donating psychological services. So you don't want to mess with these ladies because they have the director's number. So if you're not doing your job at the VA, well, the director's going to get a call. And he knows about the organization and he likes it and he supports it. So it's uh, it's not just these two ladies. It's the entire community. You know, this the city I live in is, is 400,000 people roughly uh, with the suburbs. And right. everybody is on board with this. So the Catholic charities are donating food and clothing and the food bank gives them food. Mario's Pizza, some local place. Every time I go to this house, there's like six 36 inch pizzas on the kitchen table. And (laughs) yeah, every single one of these guys, they gain 30 pounds when they come to the house because they're eating steaks and barbecue and pizza. And every day is just some old ladies bringing over some kind of casserole or something. And these guys are living the high life, but they're also getting the help they need to get their lives together. So they set goals when they get to the house. Mm-hmm. And that goal may be, I want to live independently one year from now. So these guys set goals and then Passageways helps them achieve those goals. And so far, 80 different guys have graduated through their 
program and gone on to no longer be homeless, hold jobs. They have new wives and girlfriends and houses and good jobs. And they're putting their kids through school and all this awesome stuff. And none of those 80 people who've graduated have gone back into homelessness. So what I do is I'm on the board of uh, directors so that was uh, an opportunity that was pre- presented to me because of my podcast. Just because I knew this lady and I thought it would be a really good interview, I interviewed her about this and she called me back. She's like, hey, I really like what you're doing. Do you want to be on the board of directors? I'm like, uh, sure, I guess, you know, but, <laughs> and I didn't really know what it is that I could provide as far as that. Cause you know, I'm not the CEO type, but mm-hmm. what I can provide is this, you know, I'm good at this. So I can spread the message of passageways and helping homeless veterans. And I do that through my podcast. So anybody out there who's listening, I have four or five different shows now with homeless veterans and I interview them, kind of get their story and what it's like to be homeless because uh, I want to spread the message of that, you know, and we need to stop homeless homelessness within the veterans organization. And, you know, I'm doing my small part to help that. Oh, I love that so much. You know, um, you may not know this, but recently I started researching how to get my 503C to launch an organization called Artemisia, which was born by visiting the vet center in LA. And I spoke to the outreach coordinator there. This is a story I tell everyone. So most people who listen probably have heard this story, but um, she said to me, You know, um, we wanted to pass out food. My mentor and I were there um, having a meeting and we were going to go help some female veterans. And uh, she said, if you really want to help them, give them a voice because the female veterans, they, because of the perception that veterans are male, they don't get donations. They don't get clothes, boots, like they don't get anything. So when we'd go to do our outreach work, they have to take what's left after the men. And then I said to her, You know, are there any uh, veteran shelters? Do they get priority beds in any shelters here in LA? And she was like, no, nothing like that exists. And I was like blown away. So what I'm doing, um, this is how the podcast was born for me also. And, And the next phase is Artemisia, which will be an organization to help female veterans who are homeless. And not only that, but to provide grants for female veterans suffering with illnesses and PTSD that want to seek out alternative treatments for, but can't afford them. So we're aligned big time. No, absolutely. You know, we're on the same team with this and, you know, I want to introduce you to, to the ladies that I work with, with passageways, because I think you and them have a lot to talk to too. And I would like to see if, you know, maybe they can come on your show and kind of share their story. I love that. I mean, yeah, I love to talk about it, but you know, it's different me talking about it than hearing them talk about it, you know, cause it's, it's their, it's their story, you know, and right. as much as I want to share the message, I think the best way to do that is to hear it straight from them. Well, you know, I will love to have them because I know the female veteran community uh, loves to see women doing great things for veterans. And I'm about that life, as you know. So I'd be happy to meet them and happy, thrilled if they'd come on and talk about it. Yep. I'm more than happy to make that introduction. So Seth, tell us where we can find you. Yeah, definitely. You can find me on Instagram by searching American Heritage Podcast. I'm on Facebook, uh, American Heritage Podcast. I don't do Twitter, 
but you can also visit my website at www.americanheritagepodcast.com and you can find all of my episodes there, uh, plus my YouTube channel. And yeah, any one of those three places you can get me and I'd appreciate it if you checked it out. So ladies, my sisters, please support Seth and what he's doing for our veteran brothers and show him some love. I would appreciate it. And as you all know, we all stick together in this community and help each other out as we did just while we were serving. So I want to take a moment to thank you, Seth, so much for coming on my podcast and sharing your story and letting us know the good you're putting out into the world. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you for coming. You know, I want to thank you for having me on your show. You know, it means a lot. Anytime I can have the opportunity to talk to another veteran who's doing positive things in the world, I'm all about it. So keep up the good work. Thank you so much. It means a lot from a sort of veteran podcaster since I'm about, what, three months into it. But we're going to do the good work and we're going to keep it moving forward. Okay. Thanks. So with that, I am going to wrap this up. I want to thank everybody for listening and coming on this journey with me. I appreciate you so much. I love you guys. And I will talk to you next time.